Thank you, Barry. Morning. So, you know, the interesting part was when I was looking at the profile of who's in the audience, I, I actually was in the back room like, hey, can we just do all Q&A? Because I think the fact of the matter is a stunning majority of the people sitting out here could be doing what I'm doing and, and vice versa. And so I think what I'll do is I'll talk about a little bit about where I, where I see things and really try to create a framework for maybe the Q&A session, which I think will bring even more value. Uh, um, so my career started in a very entrepreneurial way and there was no media metrics, there was no you know, awards, there was no proxy other than did the marketing I did sell more wine for my dad's liquor store, uh, that was the KPI. And so my, my background of selling baseball cards and then building a wine business you know, I, uh, for context, I built Wine Library, a wine business I launched in 1996. I really started running it in 1998. And in a five-year window from 98 to 2003, I built my dad's local liquor store, which had no, you know, I had no money. We were doing $3 million a year in revenue, 10% gross profit. So you have $300,000 before expenses. My first year's marketing budget literally was $14,000. So this is a very small business. And in 1998 to 2003, on the back of a very young internet, and looking around the crowd, I'm sure some, a, a good majority of you remember that early internet, it's nothing compared to what we're dealing with today. I was able to build that business from a three to a $60 million business. And I did it on ad tech and marketing. I did it because Google AdWords came out and I bought the word wine for five cents a click before they raised the minimum. Um, and I learned a lot from 96 to 2004, I had an email newsletter that had 91% open rates um, because it was 1997 and nobody was doing email marketing. And my whole career has basically been find new frontiers, be the guy that buys four, four beachfront properties in Malibu when nobody sees it, believe in that, develop it, wait, and then be very excited that people are buying seven streets away from the beach for 10 times the price. And build a framework that is actually profitable to allow me to hold my breath for 24 to 36 or 48 months to let the consumers catch up to my beliefs. What has been stunning to me in the last seven years that I've now been involved in running an agency and working with the clients like PepsiCo and Unilever and Toyota and Chase and things of that nature is I didn't realize how lucky I was as an entrepreneur. For VaynerMedia, I was able to, over the last five years, grow us from 22 people to 800 people, from 3 million to 100 million in revenue because I can continue to do my model. I can do what I did this last year, which is grow Vayner from 67 to 100 but make less money because I'm an entrepreneur. I have no board or publicly you know, trading product that allows me to only be stuck in 90 day or 180 day or 365 day behavior. I believe this entire conference and this entire space is broken, not in a bad way, broken from the way I see the world because everything is based on short term behavior and everything is based on data that isn't actually practical to the reality of the business. How many more times are you guys gonna go into a meeting where the math within the ecosystem that you play looks positive, it's going well, the ROAS is amazing, but the person's business is in the tank? And to me, that disconnect and the fact that our clients and the market 
has to worry about 60, 90, 180, 365 day behavior and the fact that so many meetings, the first meeting I was ever in, in this industry, I sat through an IAT with a bunch of different agencies and everybody presented and I literally thought the business had quadrupled in the last year and then, you know, I'm, I'm pretty ADD'd out. I went to the last page of the slide and the business was down 17%, yet everybody was kumbayaing around math and metrics that had nothing to fucking do with the actual business. And so to me, what I'm fascinated by is I only do one move and I would challenge so many of you in this room to whether you're 100% all in on this like I am or 19, move to 25, please, if I can bring any value in any way, we need to start having a bigger debate around a couple of things. One, common sense needs to start entering our ecosystem. What is fundamentally different in this corporate America, ad tech, B2B you know, environment that I now find myself in, unlike the entrepreneurial Silicon Valley world I came from, like the common sense factor seems to be zero. The behavior is so predicated on what's in the best interest of the person at that moment working within that machine, whether on the client side or the salesperson. The amount of people that sit in this room and actually deep down, you know, deep down lie detector, your children's health on the line, don't believe in what they're selling is stunning. And to me, that's fascinating. That's just an interesting debate. It also speaks to something that everybody should be paying attention to, which is we are going to a very interesting channel conflict decade or two that's emerging. So much is about to go DTC. So many of the clients that we trade on are about to go direct to consumer over the next 20 years. How many people here, real quick, so I can figure out where I wanna take this talk. How many people here are retiring in the next 10 years? And I don't mean you're gonna crush it and sell your company and buy a boat. I mean you're fucking old and you're finished. <laughs> 10 years, raise your hand. That's what I thought. I mean, it looks like it's zero. I mean, where do you think the world's gonna be in 10 years? And so we need to start caring about the consumer a lot more. My biggest problem with the way I have defined historically programmatic or things of that nature is I lived in 1997 internet where I was getting in certain websites 11% click through on banner ads, right? <laughs> you know, we're living in a world where a lot of people, a lot of people think I'm a digitalist uh, and I don't like traditional media. Yes, I do not like a television commercial. I think it's overpriced for the attention that I day trade every day, but I equally don't like a banner ad at all. I just don't believe common sense wise that anybody actually is consuming that product. And by the way, the things I love, in stream, Facebook or Instagram, that's gonna go away too because this is one big game of cat and mouse, right? Email worked because nobody was doing it. I got 90% open rates. Here I am 15 years later and I have 31% open rates and that's pretty darn good. And, and so this is what's always gonna happen. And so I think in general, What's fascinating to me is what's gonna play out the next year. That if you're a practitioner, that if you don't actually just read headlines in the 14 magazines and websites we all read, that if you really had to sell to survive, you would realize that the most underpriced ad pro product in the world right now is Facebook advertising. That if you had to sell something to stay alive, to feed your children, you would put your money there if you were a full-time practitioner across all the options. Google search is incredible and I love it, but when you start understanding 
the difference between sales and marketing and start understanding that Facebook is the first platform that's come along that can do both, it's quite impressive. When you then say the next thing that you would look at most likely is influencers on Instagram and getting them to give you product placement or shout out. If you actually traded on everything, if you actually spent money on everything, these debates matter because what happens is you start realizing that if you reverse engineer the consumer's actual attention, then you have a much better chance of succeeding. And so I sit in rooms every single day. If, if I was willing to pander and if I had a different mission at hand, like build the biggest agency I could and sell it, we would be doing a lot more revenue because it's very easy to sell to the market what they actually want to buy versus what I actually want to sell them, which is the thing that I think most sells product. And so I think as a macro, and I'm going very high level, I would just like more debate about math being only one part of the equation, and I'm just stunned by the enormous amount of time we're spending. And just to remind every marketer in this room, if math was what marketing is, this would have been figured out a long time ago. A long, long time ago. And so, I'm stunned by the fact that everybody throws around metrics and how good your product's working, and we don't deploy the part that matters the most, which is, was it actually consumed? I understand that you threw it in front of some screen that I potentially saw it, but was it consumed? And, and that plays in traditional channels. I'll tell you, as a weird side note, the number one rabbit hole I'm in right now is live read radio enduring drive time radio. To me, as an underpriced asset, as those prices continue to go down because people think it's dead, they're actually being consumed because you want to talk about real native advertising? The jockey reading while you're listening to the station. So for me, I have this funny, very unemotional thing, right? I, even the thing I'm most excited about, I mean, in a weird way, even though I trade on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and things of that nature, I'm not hurt, even though I wrote a $5 million check into Snapchat, that Snapchat is declining a little bit because of feature changes on an Instagram world. It's just the market. The market is the market is the market. Where I think a lot of people here, as they come, as, as Vayner has now become a bigger media spender as we continue to spend money in media and not just be a creative shop, I've come to meet a lot of your companies and a lot of individuals. And when walking in to our organization, I've been fascinated by the way people are positioning their product. You know, one of the biggest things I learned when I was building Wine Library with Google, and it was the great reason I didn't build a PMD on top of Facebook, is there's nobody here that's gonna outdevelop the platforms themselves. When you're building on the mercy of these platforms, have you not seen the historical nature of what happened with Google and Twitter? Like these platforms, listen, I come from that world. I promise you, here's how the founders talk at two o'clock in the morning at a South by Southwest. I'm gonna let all these fucking idiots build on top of my platform. I'm gonna pick the best one. I'm gonna tell them that if they don't sell to me on a nickel, on a dollar, I'm gonna buy their competitor. I'm gonna sh Have you read the API access term TOS? You can't do anything you're doing. You're, you know, they're letting you do it in their vested interest. And so I think there's a lot of interesting macro trends that are going on that, you know, when I say those things, I'm watching a lot of smart people kind of shake their head, have that nod, like, you know, and I get that. And so I ask and implore this room to do a couple of things. Number one, the only thing I do for a living is try to reverse engineer what brings value to a customer. And by nature, advertising does not do that. In a world, where it has been proven. My great angel investing mistake so far is that I passed on Uber at $4 million valuation twice. 
right? Left a whole lot of money on the table. I invested in it a little bit later, so hopefully I'll do okay, but it was when I realized that Uber wasn't a transportation company, Uber was selling time is why I made the bet. Right now, if you look at your behavior, nothing is more important besides time. Time has become the emerging thing outside of health and well-being of your family and money. Time has become the newest and emerging and has the most momentum of value to all of us. Watch this. How many people in this room, by show of hands, now get angry when somebody calls them? Raise your hand. Raise your hand high. Hi, I want everybody to see this. Higher, you guys are half-assing it. Look at this. These are human beings, thank you, that are upset that another human being called them because they subconsciously understand that we now live in a technology world where you are stealing my, why are you bothering me? Why don't you hit me up on text, maybe email, and I'll get back to you on my time. Don't bother me. You don't know what I'm doing right now. Like, they ring, like, Mom, what the fuck are you doing? Text me. You know, like that. That's where we're at. So if you are actually upset, more than 70% of this room upset that somebody calls you, which is very easy for you to get away from, you just silence it, put it down, and these are most likely either people you love, like, or solidly know. You're telling me that we as human beings are excited to go to ESPN.com and have a piece of shit banner ad pop up that we can't get away from, and now we're mobiled out, right? And I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but those little X's are small as shit. <laughs> and so when you go to click it, you're actually clicking into the ad. And so back in Nerdsville, Mathland, everyone's like, oh shit, 2.3% click-through ratio, yeah. Meanwhile, that consumer hates your brand because that brand stole their time. And so we trade in this collective on math and we don't deploy any common sense. And really, what really pisses me off, we actually don't give a shit if the stuff is selling or not. And you know what's even scarier? I actually don't really blame you because it's not your business. You should worry about your business. The brand manager and CMOs don't actually give a shit. And that's the punchline. The punchline is, does your product or service work to somebody's in a position where their life depends on selling stuff because of your technology? Not their job. How many brand managers, CMOs, chief media officers tell me to my face, to my face, that the decisions they're making have far more to do with how they're scored internally on their MMM or whatever else, not what they actually believe is in the best interest of their business? That is not the world I come from. That's not the world that my family immigrated to this country that could live on. There was none of that. And that's the great, stunning, intriguing thing for me in this marketplace. And so to me, that's what I combat. Everybody thinks I'm loud or a futurist or uh, I'm irreverent or this and that. I think I'm practical as fuck. I think I'm completely grounded in one thing. Does this communication create the donation to the nonprofit, to me to buy this sneaker? Does it make you do something? And I don't think the rest of the market is trading on that. And I used to be mad. I used to think I was smarter. I realized neither one of those are true. I'm just put in a position. I put myself in a position to actually care about that end result. And many others have to based on their situation. I'm not mad at somebody who's making six figures, has college loans, and has to pay for them, or has a family to support. And internally, this is how it's scored. Or externally, this is how it's scored. I'm not mad. But just because that's the game you're stuck within or your client's stuck within doesn't mean it's right. And that is the friction. 
and I implore everybody, since you're gonna be here in 10 years in business, to realize that's gonna start shedding itself out because the biggest brands in the world, one little fun fact, 97%, 95 to 97% of the Fortune 500 CPG brands lost market share last year because they're throwing money in the garbage because you've got four to five holding companies and I'm not, by the way, I'm not mad at the biggest media agencies in the world. They're doing what's right for them. They're publicly traded too, all the way up the ladder to the holding company level. They're gonna push the things that they make the biggest margin on. Of course, programmatic's exciting. Good, solid margin. Of course, upfront television's exciting. Good, solid margin. You know what's not? Really planning Facebook with 47 different cohorts and creative against it. Like, it's not. I know it's not, and by the way, I'm not Mother Teresa. The only reason we're doing it is because I don't want to build an agency. I want to buy the brands eventually and run them through my machine and do private equity. So it's not that I'm this great, you know, noble dude. I'm trying to buy the fucking jets. And so I'm on my own kick, but I know it's right because I know when I A-B test and I know when I look at it, I know that we're trading on metrics that are not practical. And so again, to be on the right side of history, to have leverage, I'm, I'm asking the industry to start debating, like, why does it look good? And that's why I like things like Moat and their ambitions and things of that nature. Like, we have to get to this place. Like, I can't wait till we all have chips in our head or wearing virtual reality contact lenses or whatever we're doing where the math really plays out. Did we actually consume it? Did we actually give a shit? And I know we're not in that world, and most of us probably won't see that during our careers, but that is the only place I think about. And that's why the stuff I bet on are much more predicated on a whole lot of intuitive understanding of what will drive the emotion of the consumer. And it's also why I completely, completely am infatuated with the creative because once we get in front of people, look, this keynote, I've got your attention, that worked. That was the framework of this. But if the content sucked, I would lose. So the creative is the variable of success. The problem is that has its own major issues because the majority of creative is made for the sake of that agency getting new employees or new clients, right? And so we have a very intriguing, very intriguing world that I've found myself in in the last half decade. I'm enjoying it, I love the people in it. I just think that we have to have more challenging conversations because I believe that we're not doing enough in the best interest of our clients and they're already starting with not caring enough about their actual own businesses. And so we're left in a place where people are struggling. And so, uh, you know, something has to change to do the right work. And uh, these conversations need to happen. So um, I'm looking to throw them out there. I know I went pretty high level. I've got five minutes. I did want to answer one or two specific questions. If anybody has any detailed questions about anything in social or things of that nature, I'd love to answer them now. But thanks for listening. Thank you. Anybody have a question? Like, if you have context on some of the spiel I talk about outside of this talk, this gentleman right over here is coming from right, right behind you. What's your name? Hi, my name's Kevin Rippey. I'm with Namor Instanet. How are uh, you? The question is, you say Facebook is the cheapest inventory on the I, internet. I believe so, yes. By what order of magnitude? In comparison to the others? Yeah, like... I'm not it, sure. But, like, is it... He, here, here's what I know, that... With every, you know, I'm involved in a lot of early stage startups that need to create transactions. I have my personal brand that tries to sell books or things of that nature. I have the wine business and I have you know, the $200 million we spent last year and watched it pretty carefully. 
what, what I'm most fascinated by when I sell selling, look, Google intent-based selling is incredible, right? Like if I'm looking to buy wine, I'm searching, that's incredible. What I don't think we've understood and what we don't deploy enough about is the co collateral damage of ads as they've been in the ecosystem for a long period of time. Facebook has a sweet spot right now, right? Like what it has is it has so much scale the biggest brands in the world are still debating dumb shit and aren't pouring real money in. When you look at who's getting the benefit, when you look at a company like Wish, the shopping app, that goes from zero to you know, $2 billion in revenue on the back of 100% Facebook advertising. And so I look at a lot of those proxies, and so when I've A-B tested 3 million spend on Facebook versus 3 million DMA spend on, on local commercials, or when we've done 500,000 on Facebook versus 500,000 on Google and things of that nature, the thing that excites me is I don't care about just the first transaction. The thing that a lot of people, like last touch attribution. Do you know how fucked up that is? <laughs> like enough. Like it's completely, dis we're, 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 we've become so transactional because math is not debatable and so we use it as a proxy and as a leverage, but it's not telling the full story of what's happening. And so what Facebook does, listen, if you're a big brand, if you're Nike, Facebook's bad because it's blue letters and you're losing the brand equity that you actually trade on, on in a Google environment. On Facebook, you can go DR, but you can also, I mean, all the upside. You know, we, we were so lucky to have ABI as a client when Lucas and Ricardo are actually creating an opportunity for us to make a three-minute video when the Cubs win the World Series. And you, like, TV commercials work. The problem is nobody watches those anymore, so you have to replicate it in a 2017 environment. That is Facebook's game to win two and three and four minute videos that actually mean something to you, that don't look like a commercial. Like right now at Vayner, do you remember when the Supreme Court Justice said years ago, like I can't define porn, but when I see it, I know what it is, that, that whole thing? That's what I'm doing at Vayner right now, zero commercials. We're making videos on Facebook to sell shit. I can't really define it for you, Vayner. I'm approving every video for the next six months, and the punchline is, if it feels like a commercial to me at all, it's not getting through. Show me documentaries, show me scenes from a sitcom. You wanna sell you know, a cocktail? Show me a scene from Sex in the City in a 2017 environment. Show me something people will actually watch. Because what we're doing is, we're trick, like I love when people say, oh, these Facebook metrics are off. I'm like, none of that shit matters. I don't give a fuck if they score on three second views, 10 second views. People are like, Google's better. I'm like, Google's forcing you to watch that before you watch what you actually want. You're not actually consuming it. You're just letting it play through so you can watch the fucking skiing video. Like, we are just not deploying common sense. And what blows me away is everybody in this room as a human, when you're not wearing your job description on your name tag and when you're a human, like Saturday, you know exactly what's going on. You get in Monday and you have financial vested interest to push a different thing and that's where people are going into. So I don't know the full magnitude. One thing I've gotten better at is not talking about shit I don't know. What I do know is this, I'm telling you, if people wanted to build their family business they would spend every penny that they could on Facebook right now. The great mistake of my career is, I love standing in front of you and saying, I grew my dad's business from three to 60 million. The truth is, it should have been three to 300 million. I spent too much money on direct mail and outdoor and radio and banners when I had the Google arbitrage and it was at scale. I wasn't smart enough to go pot committed. I'm not a poker player, but when you have the best fucking hand, you put it all in. I'm spending every fucking penny that I have full control of on Facebook and Instagram influencers and nothing else because the spread on the day trading part right now is so extreme. 
It is so underpriced. And then you have people that think that it's overpriced, or you have somebody that reads a headline that Procter & Gamble has changed. You know, like, like, it's just sheep mentality of a bunch of fucking headline readers that don't know what the fuck they're talking about. People have opinions on Snapchat ads in this room. They've never run one. They've never looked at it. They've never seen the full funnel. To, did it sell 8,000 pairs of fucking sneakers, asshole? They don't know. They don't know. What they're saying is what's in their vested interest. And for me, the only thing that I was smart about is I'm just trying to be historically correct as leverage to do business over the next 50 years. So I'll say what, I don't know, I'm just changing my mind every day. I mean, I'll sell anything. You wanna buy rocks? I'll sell them to you. Like, like I, don't, I, don't have any, I don't have any emotion. I don't allow, that's why I didn't build the tech. I didn't allow myself to be boxed into one thing. I'm selling attention. And if that's drive time radio, mazel tov. If, that's, if newspapers want to sell $4 ads, I'll buy them, because that's the right price. You know what I mean? Cool. Let's show them in right here, and then I'll get out of here. I know. Oh, shit. I'm already negative 20. I'll go real fast. Yeah. Mike. Mike. Uh, huge fan. Talk to a lot of my clients about day trading for attention. They come back to us and say, okay, well, if you're a financial services guy, you're doing predictive stuff, right? Ahead of day trading, ahead of this, ahead of that. And so we've been looking at ways to take agile, iterative approaches into predicting, trending hashtags, trending keywords cool. before it even happens. So real quick example, just to make it clear to everybody. So if we know Hurricane Matthew is coming in two weeks, three weeks, yep. we buy the keyword. I get it. We start selling duct tape and glow sticks and water I and everything it. else before it's yep. a trending thing. Yep. How does that, are you doing stuff like that or how we're, do you think about? We're doing that around culture. So that's super practical and smart, and I would call that transactional, and I love that shit. I do it for Wine Library quite yep. a bit. I'm much more into that culturally. It's understanding that shadow boxing is happening. It's understanding that meditation as a consumer trend in the way that soul cycle and health happened is a trend. And so we're making a lot of bets. It's understanding that 14 of Atlanta's hip-hop artists are about to become the next Drake's and Lil Wayne's. We're doing it a little bit more creatively and culturally. It has more upside and more downside. The transactional stuff, I think, is massively interesting. The problem is, for everybody in this room, most of their clients don't sell the entire funnel. Right? When you're a CPG brand, you're not selling it direct to consumer, you're selling it through CBS, and that's why we're at the mercy of all these metrics. The problem is, the metrics and the sales don't match up. That has to be talked about. Like, it has to be talked about. Anyway, there's other people, I don't want to be rude. Thanks. Thank you. Have a great day, guys.